Keep listening to 702 to find out how it can transform your country. It's just gone 10 minutes after 8 o'clock. We're coming to you live from The Rock, as it is known. It's the Results Operations Center of the IEC, the institution responsible uh, for the architecture and for the running of this election. And, of course, as I said in my introduction, it is a a hive of activity earlier on. Smaller parties came in and uh, tried to give an indication of their unhappiness with the IEC. You heard the in the news that they are considering a court action, but we will, of course, unpack whether they have a legitimate case or not. Now, the Electoral Commission of South Africa said vote counting was proceeding smoothly with the results expected later today. Oh, that is, of course, later this evening. The IEC said by 10 p.m. there should be a clear picture of which parties have done well in the national and provincial elections. What do we know? What we do know, however, is that the announcement of the final election result could be delayed as the IEC looks into allegations of double voting and conducts new audits on several voting stations. Uh, The new audits can only be done once the initial counting and results are handed over to the IEC and placed on the national system. Well, the counting is continuing despite intense challenges from various parties. Over 60% of the votes have now been counted nationally. We see the African National Congress in a comfortable lead, followed by the Democratic Alliance and then, of course, the Economic Freedom Fighters. With all of this happening, the big question, of course, is what is all this uh, going to have? um, What kind of impact is it going to have on our economy? Joining me to look at this is an esteemed panel. We'll start with Ms. Busi Khadebe. She's the economic... uh, She's an economist at Nedbank. Ms. Khadebe, good evening. Welcome to the Karima Brown Show. Thank you for having me, Karima. And then, of course, we are joined also by Dr. Iraj Abedian, the Chief Economist, Pan-African Investment Research. Um, Good evening, Dr. Abedian. Welcome to the Karima Brown Show. Thank you very much, and good evening to the listeners and to Busi. And then, of course, and last but not least, Lumkile Monde, an economist and senior lecturer at the Witts School of Economic and Business Sciences. Uh, Mr. Monde, good evening. Welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, Karima, to Dr. Abirian and to Ms. Khatabi. Thank you so much for joining us. Abusi, let me start off with you. We saw the RAND uh, becoming quite bullish um, as the results were coming in, uh, despite the fact that people were uh, raising some complaints. But as I said, um, the bigger picture needs to be kept in uh, to perspective. We've got over 22,000 voting stations that have been staffed by the IEC and, of course, also party officials of the various political parties. Um, Why do you think that there was this positive reaction on the market to the news of the election results as they were trickling in uh, from as early as late last night? I mean, Karima, it's very puzzling in a way. It reminds me a bit of sort of the end of 2017 when Phil Ramaphosa became president of ANC, and yes. then we had consumer confidence, for instance, rise up like crazy. And yeah. people thought that this is the time that household consumption expansion was going to go up, it was going to be positive. And what we had is we had a technical recession in that first half of last year. 
yes. it's just a sentiment thing in a way because it, it, it cannot be based on any fundamentals really out there because just as we saw in the first half of last year, the economy had been so degraded over the, the previous sort of nine years that yes. even though I'm positive and there's a change in leadership and I think things are going to come for the better, I just said that I can't eat sentiment. And I think it's the same thing that's happening at the moment. If you look at something like the RAND, I think what analysts have said all along, they want to see President Ramaphosa have what they call a credible mandate so he can bring about reforms. And this probably looks to them like it is that credible mandate, and that's why you're seeing that. But, I mean, it, it shouldn't end there, and that's the issue I'm having with it. It shouldn't end there. After this, I should see reforms come about. And the fundamentals, when I see those reforms and those positive reforms, to get jobs going, get rid of sort of corruption and try to lessen that. When I see that, then I, I think, oh, the fundamentals are there. But right now, it's sentiment, and I don't think you can eat sentiment. Mm-hmm. But of course, I mean, politics is as much about perception as it is about power, Dr. Abedian. Is this a second wave of Ramaphoria that we are experiencing? I think there is an element of that. Of course, Rand is also a, a currency which is subjected to global factors. Um, a weakening, for example, in U.S. dollar uh, could lead to an appreciation of the, of the rand. So, but there's also there should be no underestimating of the fact that we had a good election. It was peaceful, by and large. Um, there were all kinds of uh, speculations of potential disruption and so on. None of it happened. Uh, the things went relatively smoothly. Out of 23,000 stations, only 15 of them had some kind of administrative hiccups. The results have been coming in, and very, very significantly, there are now almost convincing evidence that the ANC is going to have Mm. an outright majority. Remember, it Mm. was in a few days back, certainly over the past two months, there's been all kinds of speculations about a potential coalition government, which Mm. would have been a disaster for this economy. Absolutely. Lumkile Monde, let me bring you in here. You and I have discussed this many times. Um, uh, you know, the pastors always get it wrong in South Africa, and the only poll you can actually rely on is, of course, the actual day on which people make their votes and the results come in. The fact that the African National Congress is sitting uh, in such a comfortable position at a national level that it looks fairly comfortable even in the economic powerhouse such as Gauteng, uh, which a lot of people said was going to be a coalition-led province. Uh, Could that be ascribed as some of the reasons for the positive sentiment uh, toward the currency over and above the externalities uh, that Dr. Abidian was referring to earlier? Very much so. I think what the market wants, the the want um, a party which has got overwhelming support by the electorate, which what which what was witnessing uh, in these results that uh, are coming out from the uh, independent electoral commission, but more importantly, uh, that uh, through the president himself, because he's got his skin in the game, uh, yes. he's got a huge uh, exposure in South mm. Africa's uh, future. That they believe that he's the person who will drive those social reforms that are so much required to bring back South Africa to investment grade, as well as address the structural challenges that mm. are embedded in our economy.
Now, Busi, you were saying earlier that um, sentiment is one thing, but, um, you know, one needs actual evidence of reform, of policy certainty, of the kinds of things that are going to make South Africa uh, an investment destination of choice. On your to-do list, what is it that Cyril Ramaphosa, presuming uh, the numbers stay uh, the same, uh, is it that he needs to do to create that confidence and to begin uh, giving uh, local investors as well as foreign investors uh, the belief that the economy can in fact turn itself around? I mean, if you think about it, you can think about it in two ways. The first way you can think about it is what led us to be sort of rated junk by two of the big three credit agencies. So yeah. you have to look at things like, one, what is going on fiscally in the country? What's right. going on with our spending? What's going on on the revenue side of things? And the revenue side of things it's also impacted by sort of jobs being created in the yes. economy. We have to look at that type of thing. Then we have to look at what's going on with our debt. We know that a big sort of debt-to-GDP ratio is not a bad thing. If I'm spending mm. all that money on fixed investment and not on current expenditure like something like public sector wages, for instance. Mm. Then we have to look at the growth thing. So that's one of the things. They say, you know what, you're a developing country. Why are you growing? I mean, the net bank forecast is that we're only going to grow at about 0.9% this year. Then you have mm. to look at why are you growing at 0.9%. We want you to grow better. So it's a job thing that you have to go in there. Then you have to look at what's going on with SOEs. Mm. What's going on with ESCOM? And are we going to break this thing up? What is the plan? What is going to happen with SAA? Even something like the SABC, we'd want to see that. Then we go the big policy things. We want clarity on what are we going to do when it comes to something like land. The nationalization of the Reserve Bank, it's almost like a red hearing that I think it was almost like a political season thing. But what does that actually mean? And you must come down hard and say, either are we going to do this thing and what it actually means, or aren't we going to do that thing? And that's what the kind of things that must come out. And obviously, then it's the big things. Like, already we've, we've sort of looked at the NPA, but must be things like, what are we doing around corruption in the country? Are we going to have a repeat of some state capture? What are the checks and balances? And in that direction, already we have seen some progress. That is the to-do list at the moment. Uh, Busi, let me just challenge you on some of the points that you're making. You're talking about, for example, the issue around the NPA. You're talking about corruption and so on. But President but Cyril Ramaphosa has actually put in quite a series of measures to deal with these issues. So, for example, he could have appointed Shamila Batoy by himself. He certainly has the constitutional power to do so. He chose not to do it. He chose to um, do it via a committee of experts. Um, so she cannot be said to be beholden to him. Uh, He sacked 10 cabinet ministers. We've got the uh, Commission of Inquiry into State Capture going on uh, with some uh, incredibly interesting granular detailed forensic evidence coming through. Uh, We know, for example, that uh, some state-owned companies have already met with the Asset Forfeiture Unit and with the SIU about recovering some of the monies. Uh, And then, of course, also on the land question, the president has been uh, quite clear that we're not going to have land grabs like we have in Zimbabwe, uh, but what we are going to have is a process that includes those who are locked out so that we can have uh, shared economic and inclusive growth. Um, So what is uncertain about uh, these moves? 
I mean, has, part of it has been done, Karima. There is a big chunk that has been done, and it's been lovely, and it's been done in a lovely way. So it hasn't been the president standing there and doing his own thing. He's kind of said, I'm going to take experts out there, and they're going to decide what's done. So we've had some of that come along. But on the job front, have we really rolled out the red carpet, for instance, when it comes to job creators out there? What is, we've heard a bit about the breaking up of ESCOM. Do we need to hear more details around that type of thing? What are we going to do? So it's a, that's, I think, mean, as I said, progress has been made on some of these things, and it's amazing. But even sort of on the reserve bank thing, even though we, we actually need, I don't know if, if people were listening or there was a lot of noise because it was the city season, but there is still, almost people aren't still sure what is going on here because it, it just, it, it seems to be, you must come out strong and say it sort of strongly to us because people are still confused out there, Karina. You're a political analyst and you shouldn't say to people and you know that there is still a lot of confusion and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dr. Abidian, let me bring you in here. The question around, um, let's say, the nationalization of the Reserve Bank. I mean, the OECD countries all own their central banks, but the mandate remains independent. Uh, the decisions remain independent. We've heard uh, the governor of the Reserve Bank say it. We've heard the president say it. Uh, we've heard so many people say it. In fact, the uh, public protector who was trying to interfere in monetary policy uh, was challenged with court action. So how much more clear can we make this? Well, it's not about making clear. Um, it gets a bit more, uh, in a way, uh, almost uh, silly than that because the government that hasn't got money um, to run its own affairs is now going to put out hundreds of millions, if not billions, to nationalize something which would have absolutely zero impact on any of the key variables such as job creation, such as poverty alleviation, such as service delivery, etc., etc. So it's quite clear that this is absolutely a political, emotional red herring. That is the problem. There was a party that at its top level busies itself um, with this type of headline politicking is a is a problem, is a cause mm. of uncertainty. It's not that people don't understand, but they don't understand why whilst the proverbial Rome is burning, you're keeping yourself busy with this, this stuff. Uh, that, that type of politicking, that type of leadership, that type of a strategic uh, direction of, 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 of social and economic governance is a problem. Mm. But it's not something that Mr. Ramaphosa can do something about. It's, it's ANC, which has mm. pretty much drained itself from intellectualism and has brought the sensationalism and, and, and shallow thinking. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me get to you. A multi-class formation such as the ANC is by its very nature a contested terrain. There has always been ideological battles about how best uh, and which routes to take to get to certain outcomes to deal with things like inequality, uh, poverty and, and, and joblessness. Um, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. And of course uh, added to that is the uh, prism of state capital we've got a fight back campaign
campaign uh, by the Zoomites uh, that are linking up with uh, other people who are in trouble with the law in other parties, for example. What does Mr. Ramaphosa have to do um, as, you know, his three first main steps if he is inaugurated as president to signal to the country uh, that he is going to make good on returning uh, us to the rule of law, to rebuilding institutions and to getting integrity into the state and to, in fact, reduce the size of government? Karima, in terms of the institutional renewal, he's moved far around that. Remember, yes. uh, in the discussion around with Tsubusi, uh, the, the stuff that the president is doing around the commission is really institutional strengthening. So he's done a lot of that. In terms of, uh, of the plan going forward, really there is already a lot of work that's being done uh, in, with business specifically around the private public growth initiative. Uh, so business is aligned. I think what he then needs to do is to bring uh, in the other stakeholders uh, that have not been part of this process, specifically the trade unions as yes. well as part of the community. Not, not through network, but mm. through a new consultative uh, structure that mm. is going to bind us into a new social contract. Mm. Uh, which will then move us forward. So I'm very positive that uh, the, the, the support that you got uh, from the electorate uh, to govern for the next five years is enough for him to shake the needs of a number of those in the ANC who have got other ideological agendas as well as the good old times of enjoying uh, public resources which are supposed to go to the masses of our people. So that process has begun and I think that if you can be able to win some in the children movement and the community, we are in for a new social compact that will drive the growth uh, trajectory that uh, business society um, requires for us to create those jobs and start addressing our problems of infrastructure deficit and inequality. Absolutely. Uh, Busi, let me bring you in here around the social compact. I mean, it's clear that NEDLAC is not uh, necessarily the right forum, the most representative forum. We also need uh, to be tweaking what that social compact is. Um, but if you look at the stance of of, of of business. I mean, business wants to back Cyril Ramaphosa because they want business as usual. But of course, it can't be business as usual. Uh, business in South Africa also has to realize that it has to have different ways of uh, coming to the party to deal with the exclusion of people in the economy. So, for example, the financial sector, um, I mean, is our, our economy is heavily financialized. Um, there are a whole range of issues that community organizations are raising around things like um, why do they have to pay 20 years on a uh, on mortgage for a house but they can pay their car off over five uh, years uh, why can a house be lost if you've paid or 15 years uh, of, 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 of your bond but you lose your job and you've got five more years to go uh, SMMEs are complaining that banks aren't prepared to put money behind them because they don't have collateral, uh, they don't have um, uh, tra 
traditional family wealth or, or trusts or anything to kind of leverage. Uh, what is it that business has to do differently uh, to engender a sense of trust, uh, but also to respond to the actual realities of our economy, of how people are locked out, of how people are unable uh, to access um, uh, institutional wealth, uh, to be entrepreneurs, to be industrialists, uh, to be um, involved in, in uh, you know, creation of, of a value chain uh, that creates jobs, that absorbs people into the labor market. I mean, it, it, the first thing I want to say, and we've spoken about this one before, when it comes to something like the banks giving people loans, every time people speak about banks, they pretend that banks have all this money out there, and they just, these banks are so bad, and they don't want to give them any loans. The money does not belong to the bank. The money is actually kept safe for other people out there. So the money is not the bank's money. It's other people's money that they are keeping safe and working with that money over there. So that, that's the one thing we need to understand. But, I mean, if I look from a bank perspective, even when you were talking about things like giving people sort of a missing middle, sort of a home loan, you know, home loan, we know there's something like this. So a different product, I don't think maybe people don't know about them that much, but you say, you know what, we've got a relationship with government when it comes to that missing middle and you want a home loan. The gap market, basically. The gap market. We can come up with a deal for you. I mean, the other thing, which is a bigger thing when it comes to something like entrepreneurship, which I've been telling my clients quite, quite a bit, is something that came out from Ricardo Halston, when he said that sometimes what we think is a lack of capital is usually a lack of know-how to actually take that business idea to make it successful. It's a combination of things. So the business can come there to the party, but sometimes you need to think of the other side too, like a thrift thing was a wonderful one. It's where we come in with government and their initiatives to say we're going to help that debt market. And then the banks are there, we're going to help you with the admin and the whatever, and we're going to give you that, that loan that you need there. Even with entrepreneurs, it needs to be sort of a, a two-pronged thing because it is risk. The bank can't just give someone money. It's other people's money, right? We need to keep certain there's a risk. Okay. Lucy, I've, 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 got to, I've got to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. We're running out of time. I want to give uh, each of our other two guests just 30 seconds uh, to give their parting shots uh, to um, how this election is going to impact on the economy and how we can maximize uh, the outcome for the benefit and the uh, regrowth and recalibration of our economy. Let me start with you, Lumki Lemonde, and we can finish off with Dr. Iraj Abidian. Uh, through the social compact, uh, Karima, I believe that uh, we'll be able to come with a package that will address problems at ESCOM uh, and really bring in the new players into the market, particularly on the renewable side, uh, while at the same time creating jobs on the new uh, low carbon. But more importantly also, uh, to really stabilize uh, the, 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 the confidence that has been lacking uh, both from consumer as well as, as business. In that process, I think, we'll then start beginning to see a change of sentiments and then start working harder to create uh, a better life for all our people. All right, Dr. Abidian, 30 seconds. I think because, as we all know, that for the past 10 years, the South African economy has been neglected. Uh, completely. Therefore, yes. there's a lot of pent-up opportunities in nearly all the sectors, and we have the goodwill, as well as the internal businesses' commit uh, the willingness 
to unlock these capacities. And I think President Ramaphosa has got a golden opportunity to use that as a reboot for the economy and turn the things around. Thank you so very much to my esteemed panel. That was Dr. Iraj Abidian, Chief Economist at Pan-Africa Investment Research, as well as Lumki Lemonde, Economist and Senior Lecturer at the Witz Business School, and Ms. Busi Khadebe, an Economist at Nedbank.